Hello and welcome along to another Tune Under podcast special. Uh, this is uh, going to be a little bit of a crammed episode. Um, uh, we, we planned on doing a nice gentle review of last night's game against Tramia and a bit of a preview for the Wolves game coming up and everything's going to get a bit batshit crazy. Uh, New, Newcastle is doing Newcastle things and uh, everything's kind of blowing up now with you know, transfer gossip. So we're going to start things off with that. Uh, joining me tonight is Jack and Craig. Uh, how are you guys doing? Very good. Another exciting 24 hours in the life yeah, of the Newcastle fan. It was, uh, it was good news to wake up to at uh, four o'clock this morning to watch a game to say that Isaac was on his way to Townside. More than happy with that. Well, I got I got this news like before I went to bed, and I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to sleep now? Me too. <laughs> it's like the the, the, the Jordy dentist was ongoing. It's like, oh, well, this is going to be a non productive day as I constantly refresh Twitter. It's like, yeah, you've got it easy. I'm going to try and sleep now. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, but we'll uh, we'll we will we'll get on to the Tramia game, um, the cup game, and the Wolves game. But yeah, let's let's kick things off with what is been a bit of a mental twenty four hours. If we if we're completely honest, um, we've gone from uh, pretty much sort of thinking that Jao Pedro is in the bag uh, for a relatively decent fee. Um, we seem to have agreed the fee. Then it was all sort of knocked back on, on, on social media and no one's really sure exactly where that stands anymore. And then boom, out of the blue, Alexander Isaac bid submitted, accepted like club record transfer fee, uh, 60 million pounds plus from Real Sociedad. Um, I think this has kind of taken most of us by surprise and is a bit of a tick of approval of the current regime and how they're doing business and that it shines a bit of a light on a lot of the in the nose and a lot of the gossip and a lot of the sort of the reports that have been le- leaked being complete and utter bollocks, really. Let's be honest. It's like nobody seemed to know anything about this one coming through. So I think a lot of people have lost a lot of credit on this one. Um, Jack, I'm going to start with you, though. Uh, player-wise, the guy looks like he is a potential star in the making um he's obviously not the finished deal yet but six foot four pacey um he's only 22 scores a lot of goals on the run a lot of poached goals as well very good dribbling good with both feet um didn't have a great year in spain last year um but what's your first impressions of this bid not only just the size of it but for the player itself and what statement that makes well, I'm just pleased that the owners have finally listened to all of the people who were tagging them on Twitter, <laughs> uh, asking them why why they weren't spending the money. <laughs> but no, it's um, it, it did come come out of the blue, really. But he had been linked earlier in the summer. Luke Edwards had, had raised his name and said we're after him. But then the fee was kind of thought to be around the eighty to hundred million mark, which was thought to be too much. To be honest, I've because we've been doing so much about FFP and, you know, the restrictions and what can we spend and what can we not spend. I'd, I was sold on Jao Pedro, so I was really excited about him. Um, and then Fabrizio Romano did tweet his here we go on that. So it's that seems like it might still happen. Um, and did Bruno. <laughs> yeah, Bruno did as well. But, but my first kind of reaction, because I've been thinking about FFP and everything, was... I, uh, you know, I hope they know what they're doing and spending this amount of money. But then my second reaction was, I just trust them. You know, they, they know what they're doing. Ashworth and Howe know what they're doing. Um, I remember watching Isaac play in Euro 2020, and he was really, really fantastic. He really stood out. He didn't have a great season last season, like you just said. 
he only scored six league goals. But the season before that, he got 17 league goals in 34 games. Yeah. Uh, and he's got pretty much a one and three record in La Liga. And he's also got nine goals and 37 for Sweden. And he's only 22. You know, he's played for Borussia Dortmund before. He looks like a, a modern striker, quick, uh, agile, knows how knows how to score goals, can play in a few different roles. He likes to drop deep. He's good at pressing. So, you know, he's been identified by our club as somebody who's going to gonna come in and do a job and who's worth spending this money on. Uh, it's probably been accelerated potentially by Callum Wilson yeah, getting injured, um, which everyone knew was going to happen anyway. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if we do still go for Pedro because I think at this stage spending 85 million or thereabouts on two strikers would seem unlikely when we still need a right-sided attacker and maybe a central midfielder. But, you know, Newcastle are smashing the transfer record on a striker, 60 million. Um, given what we've we've been through in recent seasons, you just have to, like, you know, pinch yourself and, and wake up sometimes. It's uh, it's amazing what the club's doing now, and it's such an exciting time. So let's keep it going, and let's hope he, he can come in and do what we hope he can. But I think as well, the last thing I just want to say is that I hope, Fans are patient with him as well because he's only 22. It's a big, it's a big price tag. Um, he's he's apparently a streaky player, so he can score yeah. go- lots of goals, then he can miss chances. So we just need to be patient with him, give him time, trust that the coaching's going to work for him, and then watch him go. Yeah, definitely that, that whole streaky thing and the fact that he had a bad season last season. Whether or not that was expectation, whether or not it was combined factors i've read things on on social media where people have actually done a really good rundown of, of the player himself and what he's what his record's been it looked to me it looked to me from what people were saying is that last year didn't really reflect the chances that he had he was very unlucky where like you know some of the shots that could have or should have gone in weren't just just weren't dropping for him um but yeah as you said it's like that's definitely been pointed out that he's a very streaky player and he'll he'll score lots of goals in a run and then go on a really barren spot patch that's not something that we really want ideally but you know you're hoping that long term as you said he's, he's 22 he's still young still quite raw i think as well um if you can combine i mean everyone's referring to him as like a unicorn because he's tall and he's good with the ball at his feet and he's comfortable with both feet and you know he's good dribbling and you know you want to see that sort of player and you know the 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 thought of him and maxi and if we do get like another pacey uh right winger um on the break that that sounds that sounds absolutely delightful Mm -hmm. to me i don't know about anyone else but um craig i he he certainly as 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 Jack said, he, we need to have that patience with this sort of player. Um, he's 22. He's not like this this ready-made, like 30-goal-a-season striker. Um, he could be, but we need to be patient with him. He needs to be able to fit into the side. Um, we, we've spoken, even if if we, we've spoken on our group chat, that even if he does sign, um, the likelihood of him playing against Wolves is actually pretty low. Um, even if he does sign in time. But Craig, what's your first thoughts of this player? Um, and obviously you're as buzzing as everyone that, you know, we're about to potentially break our club record transfer fee, which stands at Joe Linton, I think at the moment still. Okay. He's still our most expensive player. 
Um, if he turns out to be anything like the bargain that Joe Linton seems to be now, um, let's just hope he doesn't doesn't have to wait another two seasons. But <laughs> I, I feel I feel how we'll get the most out of him. But yeah, let us know let us know your feelings because yeah, buzzing times. It, it genuinely is it. Just like uh, Jack said, you feel like you got to pinch yourself. I mean, where we were this time last year, um, struggling to get a, a one million pound loan fee uh, for a, a Leicester reject effectively. And now we are spending 60 million on just one player, spending 200 plus million in over the course of two windows. The window is not even shut yet. This is genuinely phenomenal dreamland stuff for us, something we never thought would happen in a million years. And I, when the, the news first broke of uh, Isaac, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, or Isaac, uh, back a few months ago, as uh, Jack mentioned, straight on YouTube, checking out his uh, skills and everything. And, he did seem, like I said, a bit raw, a bit sloppy, a total unfinished product, but the potential is obviously there. And you're absolutely right. We do need to be patient with him. It could take a good few months. It might even take a season before he mm. gels in properly. But everyone's been saying the same about uh, Darwin Nunes at Liverpool as well, and he cost £80 million. Uh, He's yeah. by far the unfinished product. He got slaughtered in pre-season for having a few dodgy games, then goes and scores on his Premier League debut. So, you know, uh, he's not a high profile as uh, Nunes is, but in terms of value and fee, he could be the next big thing. We just watched a little video that was shared by Bobby from Sky Sports, and one of the blokes there likened him to a young Thierry Henry. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> praise doesn't get much better than that. Uh, if we can get a player half as good as Henry, then we've got a world beater on our hands. And... Hopefully he's here for the long term as well, because I just cannot wait to see him in that black white shirt. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting to to just you know, just never thought we'd be back to the days where we're breaking records of club transfer fees and actually signing all these top notch players that other clubs are actually interested in as well. It's not I mean, Arsenal's been in 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 sort of a little bit of tentative like inquiries about Isaac, um, Isaac, Isaac, whatever we're going to call him. Um, yeah. But you know, they've, they've, you know, a lot of the players that we're we're buying now, all the top clubs are after, and that's that's really exciting that we're going after this top talent and landing them, and we're building a really good young squad as well. No, let's 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 not pretend that we're not building an absolute team of giants as well because this <laughs> this this guy's six four. We've just signed Botman, who's what six six. Got Dan Burn at six seven. Um, you know, it, we seem to be like getting some pretty big, big players in the squad. So you're kind of hoping that at some point this starts paying dividends with some nice, uh, nice set pieces. Uh, but the it's, the one thing, sorry, so I was just gonna say it's interesting the profile of player as well is like like I said, young players, but he fits into the wage structure as well, which is really important. Yeah. They've obviously done the due, due diligence on his character as well. So when you there was an article in The Athletic, I think it was about a week ago, but it was talking about the criteria that Newcastle had for the signings. And that's what Ekatike fit into. And it's what Isak fits into. And we maybe have over, overpaid a little bit because we had to do that to get him to come and to get Sociedad to accept the offer. But uh, it's it looks like a fantastic signing. Um, and the club, like I said, have done their due diligence on his character. Um, they know that they know who they're getting. Uh, he looks like he could do with bulking out a bit as well, but yeah. again, he's only he's only 22. So if you can do that, and if you can add the that strength, he's apparently not that good in the air, which is again yeah. surprising yeah. someone of his height. But if they can coach that into him, get him to bulk out, 
what a flair we could ha- we could have on our hands. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you you say it's like you know maybe we've overpaid, but man, that's that's what everyone's going for at the moment. I mean, Chelsea's on about paying sixty million for Gordon. Yeah, I know who yeah, I, I know who's potentially the better <laughs> player there. I mean, Gordon dives yeah. a lot. Yeah, he's great at that. I mean, he should be in like the sort of the Olympics for the for the gymnasts the way he dives. But <laughs> you know, they're they're willing to spunk sixty million on him um, for a centre forward of of this guy's caliber. I mean, and, and potential. I, I don't think that's bad at all. And, and you, as you said, look at look at Nunes to, to Liverpool and how much they paid for him. I don't mm. think it's that out of the realms of possibility. I mean, yes, it's overpaying, but so is everyone else. If we want to sign players, I think maybe the owners have finally twigged that, well, hang on, everyone else is willing to pay these figures. If we don't, we're not going to sign anyone. And we could have benefited from the fact he didn't have a great season numbers-wise last yes, season as yeah. well. Because if he did, then you know, you look, you're looking at top European clubs because his season before was fantastic yeah. and his, his Euros was brilliant and he's... He's been he was banging them in before that. So and like you said, he did he did underperform his his XG. Uh, he underperformed that yeah. a bit last season. Um so but there was reasons for that. Like I read that Sociedad were playing a more defensive game, mm-hmm. and also they had Soloff, the striker, in. So he wasn't playing that forward role on his own sometimes. So that's just what I've read. Like there were reasons for that. So you trust yeah, like, you trust too, yeah. our coaches to get the best from him. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, I guess the big question this raises is are we still in for Pedro? Um, is that still going to be a deal that we're looking to pursue? Craig, do you reckon that that's still going to go? Or are we now, you know what, we need to spend money elsewhere because it's a lot of money to sort of put on on two players it is, effectively um, playing the same. I think we'll, we'll pull a plug on that one. I think we'll uh, maybe put that funds towards a, a traditional style winger rather than a centre forward who can maybe adopt that position if, if we have to. Somebody who's now outright right uh winger uh who that person would be absolutely no idea like I say 24 hours we had no idea isaac was on his way so they're obviously doing work in the background i reckon um other places obviously center midfield as jack mentioned before that could be somewhere that they look to invest into but yeah i think we'll pull a plug uh i think that money for uh pedro was the ecotech money really wasn't it it was virtually the mm. same fee mm. Um, so the, the money is probably still there, maybe a little bit less, maybe they've got a little bit more, maybe they found a few extra million dollars down the back of the sofa, who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the money will be reinvested into a, a winger, whether it'll be Pedro. I, I would rather not be Pedro because he's not a traditional style winger, he is a forward, which is great to have in somebody who can play multiple positions, but I'd rather have somebody who is playing in the natural position rather than out of it. Pedro does seem a player that is comfortable in a couple of positions though, and he does work hard. So you're going to get him tracking back. You're going to get him pressing, which is all tick boxes as far as I'm concerned for the Eddie Howe style of play, which is what we're trying to do. Um, Jack, what's your opinion? Well, I got really excited about Pedro because uh, even though I hadn't signed him, I, I trusted Fabrizio Romano that it was happening. So, And uh, the Watford fans were absolutely unanimous in their praise for Pedro on Twitter. Uh, he's a player that's really impressed them. Out of the three attackers they had, they, that was the one they wanted to least sell. So I don't know if the money, if we're going to spend that money. Uh, if he can be put, if he can be played out to the wide or if we might be going to a system if we might be thinking of a system with two strikers or like a second striker, then it would maybe make sense. Um, for the long term, it would make sense because he seems like a fantastic talent. I hope we still get him. 
But I understand that with this outlay on Isaac, we might not. And there are other priority positions, like Craig said, which is specifically a winger. But we might we might get a winger on loan. Um, you know, there's talk about Pulisic lately as well. Mm. So if we could and get Gallagher. him on loan, that and Gallagher in central midfield. So if we could get a couple of loans in, that would would there still be a fee involved there? But that would free up maybe this cash to go and get. Pedro and the other attraction about Pedro is he doesn't come into the 25 man squad because yeah. he's, yeah. he's young. So he would fall into the Anderson camp of being in the first team but not in that 25 man squad, which might be important because we're going to talk later about injury. There was an injury to Kraft in the game um, and we might need that squad space for maybe Mankio potentially. So that might be yeah. an important factor as well. But I hope we still get Pedro, but I won't, I'll understand if we don't now. Yeah, it's going to be tight to fit everyone in. And I think we've we've been fed all of this stuff, as you said, with the financial fair play and, and you know, we've, we've got a modest budget to spend and we've literally mm. blown all that out the water with, with one <laughs> potential signing. So how much we put down to sort of a little bit of gamesmanship in terms of trying to, to manage expectations in terms of transfer fees um, and we go out and we've still got plenty of money up our sleeves to go out and buy more players basically none of us know anymore i think that's yeah that's the one thing that's come from this is just like nobody seems to know anything and everyone that's been reporting on stuff has been talking out their ass <laughs> and it's 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 just hilarious to see i mean so one of the one of the big moves i guess from chelsea was callum hudson adoy um much to craig's dismay has yeah. actually gone to bale leverkusen um so that's that's a big move for him um potentially good uh I wonder if there's any any possibility that that frees up uh, an, an opportunity to get Diaby from them as well. Um, Jack, do you, do you reckon there's any any chance that that's back on again? Well, they had a they've had a bad start to the season apparently as mm. well. So, but again, I just can't see us spending fifty million on another player mm-hmm. after we've already spent sixty on Isaac and thirty five on Botman. You know, like spending sixty million know, on a player but, anyway. So yeah, we, we, we know that next season we'll be getting sponsorship money coming in. So we know that we know that we've now got a couple of players that we might be able to sell, which we didn't have previously. Mm. So next summer we might be able to raise money like that. Maybe they're just going to think, let's just stack the squad now completely, make it as good as it can possibly be, and then have a few quiet, a few quiet windows coming up while we sort the commercial stuff out. But I'd be I'd be amazed if we spent that much money on another young international. This but then again, I didn't think we were going to sign Isaac. So exactly, yeah. I, I mean, don't know. I think, I think this deal and this amount of money is really like throwing everything out, and it's kind of like, well, who really knows anymore? I, I guess for the Diaby move, though, you know, maybe it is just a case of look, we've started the season really well. If we can keep pushing on, there is an outside chance that we will get European qualification. And maybe they're seeing that going, well, you know, let's just like blow a bit more now, get those those young. And it's not like we're buying like a 30, 32 year old to come in for a lot of money. We're buying young, like hungry talent that are only going to get better. So, you know, you, you stack them out and then you, you fill up the reserves and you bring players through while those are becoming the established players um, and you build up that sponsorship deal. I mean, obviously, Craig, you're, you're a massive fan of, of uh, Hudson-Odoi. Um, you're mm-hmm. a bit gutted, but would, would a big move for another right winger sort of appease your, your anger and disappointment? Well, if Hudson-Odoi gets me twitchy, 
uh, Diaby gets me proper frothy. Um, <laughs> genuinely, it, that would just be the icing on the cake and the cherry on top of that as well. Because if you, you imagine a front three running at you with Diaby, ASM, and Callum Wilson when fully fit, that's terrifying for any defence. Don't care who you are. But yeah, that, that gets me proper uh, frothing at the gills. That really does. Um, and I know we just briefly mentioned his name before, Conor Gallagher. Um, I've been a big advocate for him to come to the tune since we started this pod back in November. And if we can get him, because he is a step above Willock and uh, Longstaff right now, then that would just top the window off as just being an absolute sensational one. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, I think uh, one of the one of the big things that seems to be causing a bit of a stir on social media at the moment is the bid that West Ham have just put in for Lucas Paqueta. Um, I think a lot of mainly just for the Bruno links and, you know, a lot of people had their hearts set on him joining, um, you know, he's playing in Bruno's back garden and he's wearing Newcastle's top and everyone got a little bit excited at the end of last season. Uh, that, that move hasn't materialized. Leon seem pretty receptive to offers and they seem to be trying to kind of get him, get him out and make some money off him while they can. Now, this is a guy that is probably playing more regularly for the Brazil national squad than Bruno is. Mm. Um, obviously a talented player, still young, still very hungry, still works his ass off off the ball um, to win the ball back as well as was going forward. Um, arguably a better player than Bruno um, by, by all accounts and um, is a player that we went in for before we actually bought Bruno. So there's definitely loads of links there. Um, how much is it going to disappoint a lot of fans? Uh, Jack, I'll start with you. If we miss out on Paqueta, um, is it going to be this drama that everyone makes it out to be? Or is it just a case of like, we've, we've all been sold on the, on the romance of this story, but in actual fact, it doesn't really matter if you go somewhere else. Well, first off, if he's better than Bruno, we should be they try to sign him because Bruno is a phenomenon. But <laughs> I think with Paqueta, it's it's a lot of two plus two equals five. I really like I know that we were reportedly interested in January, but I just think it's something the fans have got hold of. He's an exotic name, he's Brazilian, he's Bruno's friend, like he's obviously a quality player, but I just think I, I'm not sure how serious our interests post January has actually been. Um I'm I, I I'm not bothered really. Like I think he could if he comes great, but I'm not gonna be upset about it. Maybe some fans will be upset about it, but like I think those fans just need to look at where we were uh, before and where we are now and um, before getting wound up about anything like that. I think that I, I thought this was maybe one for, for towards the end of the window if if other things hadn't come off and if we still had some money. And that's kind of how it seemed it was going because we, we could have just had him if we'd have wanted. Yeah. Although apparently West Ham have had a 40 million bid rejected or a 35 million bid. So it's not like Liana, you know, you know they're, they're asking for good money for him yeah, as well. Yeah. So it, it again, as with everything, if, if Eddie Howe want, want, doesn't want him, then that's I trust I trust him entirely, and they've obviously there's something about him they weren't entirely sold on. So yeah, it's, it's it's a weird one. I, I mean, as you said, as if we'd wanted him, then you'd imagine he'd have been here already. Um, whether or not they've just been waiting out the market, I mean, the the reports that have been coming out have been that West Ham have submitted a bid. Uh, his agents in London at the moment talking to their representatives. 
but apparently still talking to other clubs while he's in London. Uh, maybe there's there's other clubs that are still sort of, you know, sniffing around, trying to sort of see if he if he fits into their their system and that. And so maybe we, we're still one of those. We don't know, Craig. Um, obviously, it, it is a big you know, it's a big heart heart sub story that he's Bruno's mate. But realistically, you know, if if we get you know other players in other positions that are probably a more prioritized position right now for us. Um, are, are you going to be that disappointed? Obviously this is going to very much depend on if we blow 60 million on, on Itzak and he really doesn't do well in the premier league and Paquetta goes to West Ham and blows everyone away and, and ends up being this absolute superstar. Then everyone's going to point the finger and go, we should have had him. We could have had him. Why didn't we get him? Um, you know, it, it's always that ifs, buts, and maybes. But you know, do you do you see a big issue here, or are you happy to to move on and go somewhere else? Absolutely happy to move on. Uh, I think, like Jack said, if we wanted to get him, we would have had him by now. If the interest in January was that concrete, he would have been like Botman. He would have been a long term target. I think we would have got him in earlier in the window. Uh, but obviously, mm-hmm. that just never materialised. And yeah, we needed to strengthen the defence before we got other priorities uh, after that in terms of attacking. But yeah, um, I'm more than happy for the club to move on from him if there was any strong interest in there. I've got all the faith in the world in Eddie and his backroom staff to find the right players, to find the right character and do what they can do without, again, having to spunk 40, 50 million euros, whatever it may be, on another player just because the fans think you'll be a good match next to Bruno. Uh, I'd rather bring in somebody else who may uh, be a better fit for the club. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Uh, The last bit of transfer news that is doing the rounds at the moment is apparently Man United have submitted an offer for Martin Dubravka. Uh, Apparently it's a loan move that they want to loan him. Uh, Why Dubravka would entertain moving from apparent backup to Pope to apparent backup to De Gea? is anyone's guess. Uh, it's a loan move, so it's not like he's going to get a massive pay rise. Uh, they're not in the Champions League, so he's not getting Champions League potential football. Uh, I just, I just, this move makes absolutely zero sense. And after the mess around that we had over Henderson and over, <laughs> over um, Lingard, mm-hmm. I just, A, I would like us to try and take the piss. And B, I just don't see why this benefits either the player or the club for this to be a deal. Um, Jack, do, do you see this? Do you see this going anywhere? Because apparently there are legs in this as well. Yeah. I, just, I just don't get it. I don't get where this is coming from. There's been whispers for since Pope signed that, and his agent has said something that Debravka is not entirely happy about this. But. I, I agree that I just don't see that, what the sense in a loan move is unless there's a substantial fee and maybe an obligation to buy at the end. For Dubravka, maybe he wants a new challenge. That's fair enough. He's you know he's getting towards the end of his career now. Maybe he wants to go and play for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Maybe he thinks he's got more chance of getting game time in the Europa League than he does at Newcastle. Um, but it doesn't really... I mean, he's been a good servant for us, but it doesn't really say that much for a player's character if they just want to leave as soon as they get a bit of competition in. Yeah. Um, so I'd be surprised if he was allowed to go there on loan. If it was a permanent deal for a decent fee, then that's different. Um, I know that a lot of people will be very unhappy if Darlow is the second-choice keeper. I, you know, I don't think Darlow's great, but 
by the same token, I'm not going to be too upset about that because he's, he's unlikely to need to play and everything else the club has done has been stunning uh, and probably will be in the, the last week of the window as well. So that's my sort of take on that. I hope Dubravka does stay and fight for his place. Um, I wouldn't be that surprised if he goes. But yeah, like you said, Man United took the piss with us in January. So maybe we want to try and keep relations with them cordial now because um, we might have to do business with them in the future. Um, and it's maybe a bit self-defeating if we just go and uh, go upsetting clubs. But there's no reason why we should do a favour for them. Um, no, no after what they did in January and because we still need a decent backup keeper as well. Oh, uh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of these that thinks Darlow is a bad keeper. I just don't think he is capable of maintaining a standard for a prolonged period of time. I think when he's come in and he's been called on because of an injury and he knows he's like in that spot, he seems a lot more calm. I think if he's fighting for that spot, he gets nervous and he makes silly mistakes. That's That's been always been my kind of overview of what his time at this club mm. has been um i will be very disappointed in dalo uh, in uh, debravka sorry if he decides that i oh, know i don't want to fight for my place i want to go um and sit on the bench at another club um if he's mm. going somewhere and he's going there because he wanted to be you know the number one keeper somewhere else and he wanted game time ahead of the world cup totally get that but if he's not going somewhere where he's guaranteed first team football it just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Craig, like, do, do you are you happy with Dubravko? Is Do you think there's any talk that this might actually be just agent talk, trying to get a new contract for him as well? It could be, but he's what, 33 now? I'm not sure how long he's got left on his current deal. Um, yeah, goalkeepers, they reach their peak a little bit later than outfield players. So you might get, what, maybe 36, 37 out of the keeper before they decide to retire. But he's not going to be fighting for uh, that number one spot with this type of attitude. If it, if it is coming from him directly, if he's saying, I want to leave because I can't be asked to put up a fight, then I'd rather him go because they're not just setting a bad example for everybody else and not just one bad egg in the rest of uh, the box, you know? And Eddie's all about that player attitude. And I think if he does go and we rinse Man United for every penny they've got, didn't they want to charge like 25 million for Lingard over six months? Something like that? There's a 10 million pound loan fee and then pays wages and shit like that. All right, if that's the case, then we double it. Genuinely. Uh, we rip them for every single penny they've got. Uh, they've got money in spades. You know, they've just spent however much money on Casemiro. Um, mm. so they've definitely got it. I reckon if he wants to go, let him but we take them for every penny they have. I'm yeah. not really bothered about uh, keeping good pals with other clubs. If you want to piss another club off, let piss them off. Uh, it doesn't bother me. We're, in a few years' time, I can say it's probably overtaken Man United in terms of league position. We might even do it this season, who knows. Um, and if that is the case, that'll piss a lot of those uh, manks off and it'll just make us Jordy so goddamn happy. But it'll be the first time we finish with Man United in the league and we don't win it. How annoying would that be? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, th I think I think it's like it's one of those things where I would prefer to see a fully committed Darlow that is happy to fight for his place and and try and grab his opportunities when he gets them than to try and keep a player who isn't happy being here and doesn't really want to be a part of it. And I think it's exacerbated by growing up 
watching Newcastle in a time where we had Shea Given and Steve Harper both yeah. fighting for that position. And yes, okay, maybe it's different because Steve Harper was a local lad and he was happy to be at the club. And But he, he never, I mean, he could have walked into a lot of clubs in the Premier League um, if he if he'd chosen to leave and he stayed they fought each other and they kept each other on their toes as well and and we benefited from that big time so yeah for me it's just it's it's a bit of a bit of a bad taste if if Debravka does leave under these circumstances if he does I'm not going to lose any sleep over it you know we, we if we if we don't push on this season we'll get another keeper coming through we've just signed a really promising lad from up in Scotland um, to, to come through and, and he's already been training with the the, the senior players apparently um so we've we've got players coming through we've got darlo you know look if gillespie has to play because we've got injuries then we've probably got more problems than just um dubravka yeah. leaving so i think as just on dubravka just to say as well he's been a good player for us for four oh definitely years now. Yeah. and yeah, definitely yeah, i'll if he does go i'll never well, i'll never forget that debut for him against man united he was outstanding and at the time i remember people were saying to rafa why are you buying a new keeper you've got some decent keepers but rafa knew he needed a better keeper and debravka has saved us quite a lot of times over the years yeah. so like i agree with what you're saying about it, it will leave a bit of a bit of taste but if he gets to this point and he wants to move whatever his reasons might be like i don't think we should do man united a favor by any means but if if the deal works for us as well then I think you, you, you'll go with you'll go with our blessing and with our thanks for his service over the time, which has been pretty good. But yeah, the other no, thing that I've... doesn't get me as well, sorry on that one, is Man United know they've been after uh, another keeper for backup, yet they send Henderson out on loan to mm. Forest. He was unhappy, the, wasn't the he? That, yeah. yeah, yeah. I the, think the he wanted game time run, though. It, it, it's crazy at the minute the way Man United's run. They they could recall mm. Henderson, I believe, at any time. And have that backup keeper, and then Forrester in the shit. And they're, they're stabbing they're, in the dark that club at the moment. Shambles. They, yeah, they really are. Yeah, they're they're literally falling to the bottom of the well, and there's no way up for them. And long may it continue for them, to be honest. But yeah, I, I don't understand that logic of sending a keeper out on loan who's 25 years old. He's probably still got at least another 10 years left in him. Probably still to hit his peak. And you then want to bring the 33 year old who just wants to sit on the bench? It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's just weird things going on at that club in terms of their their overall plan of attack. In terms of they're they're, they're throwing money at players or they're trying to sign like names just to appease peace fans at the moment and and tick the boxes that they've they've signed another player without any kind of addressing of the underlying issues of of why they are where they are and it's it's not going to fix the problem. They're just going to spend more money. And they're going to have the same issues because they're signing. Players who either are only moving there for the money, or they're only moving there because they want to kind of see out their career, or you know that they're, they're no no one like Casemiro. He's not moving there because he's he's wanting to challenge for, for stuff at the moment. He's moving there because he's getting a dirty great paycheck. He's not going to get in the Real Madrid side anymore because they want to move on because he's getting old. And Man United are signing old players, mm -hmm. and they don't have the luxury anymore of having that golden generation of players that they have to rely on as the core of their team where they can afford to just dick around and buy players just to stop other players buying them or just to make a statement signing. They need players that are going to play on the pitch and they, they and have the right attitude and they don't have that right now. They needed Dan Ashworth, basically. Um, <laughs> but they can't have ours. So the nope. Kieran Maguire told us that they actually tried to 
make him an offer after he'd already agreed to come to us. But yeah, or they needed Ralph Ragnick, but they needed to put him in, into a director yeah. of football role rather than get him and and put him into a manager position and then sack him after however many months it was because he wasn't able to turn everything around in in flick of a magic wand anyway enough of man united this is, this is a newcastle <laughs> podcast so yes a bit of a bit of a crazy whirlwind of, of transfer speculation and bids and all of that sort of stuff um that is not what we intended on this podcast this was going <laughs> to be a review of last night's game in the carabao cup uh, so we will be back and we'll start on our match review Right then, so back into the swing of things. Uh, now back onto the original track of this podcast in, in 36 minutes in. Uh, nothing like nothing like a, a nice short episode again. Uh, so obviously Newcastle played away at Tranmere in the Carabao Cup last night. Well, 4.30 this morning, uh, Australian time. Uh, I did not watch it live. I have watched the extended highlights. Uh, so I'm going to be relying on Jack and Craig to... Uh, kind of shed a little bit more light on the overall aspects of the game. But uh, basically, the game started off. Um, Tranmere did start with some some pace in the game. They, they, they really got out Newcastle. But Murphy seemed to have the first shot on goal. Um, he, he was through on goal. It was a really weak shot. Um, didn't have a lot of power behind it. Seemed to kind of just flap at it. And then literally minutes later, Murphy had another shot. Um, takes on a shot that literally was never on in the first place, went high and wide. Um, and then Anderson was left in space and had a shot and literally just pulled it wide, um, sort of onto the, the left of the, of the upright. Uh, he was, he was kind of not really closed down as much as he was. And then after those three chances, Nevitt uh, for Tranmere, um, they broke really, really well, exposed us at the back. Um, they were in acres of space and they did their best to kind of mess it up, I have to say, from the replays. Um, it wasn't exactly the crispest of uh, passes um, through, but Nevitt managed to get that ball into the back of the net. Newcastle go a goal down. Um we did kind of push back straight away. Um, Elliot Anderson, uh, again involved, um, had a had a header. It was deflected out for a corner. And then uh, by this stage, Kraft had already gone off injured. Uh, Trippier was on, took the corner, perfect ball through LaSalle's header, um, sporting a broken nose by that stage as well. So he still headed the ball, uh, bounced back off a defender straight to him, powered the rebound back into the top of the net. Um, equalized goal. Um, I saw the manager for Tranmere was complaining that there was there was potential <laughs> blocks and pushes. Uh, nothing to to mention about the GBH that his players were inflicting <laughs> on the Newcastle players, but you know a block we've got to complain about that one. Uh, and then just before halftime, there was a a, a bit of a contentious decision um, with a massive challenge that horrendous studs up challenge onto uh Darlo, who was in goal um and we for those that are watching on youtube we're going to put this on the apologies for those listening on on the audio streams but this is the challenge itself in slow motion and you can see Darlo's leg buckle there as well as it comes through the ball's clearly gone by that stage the player comes through studs up challenge straight into Darlow it's given as a foul as a yellow card in my opinion he is late to that tackle that is a clear red card challenge in anyone's book um 
Craig, what what do you make of that? At first, I thought it was more of a 50-50 challenge when I seen it in real time. But then when I seen the replays and from different angles, like what you've just shown there, yeah, it's a clear leg breaker. And Donald's lucky to be able to continue the game, let alone walk away from it. It was uh, yeah, oh, just seeing his leg bend there is horrific. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's bad. It was an instant red card. And that's where VAR is unfortunately missed but needed. Uh, even in the, the lower ends of the competition, whether it be round two, round three, wherever. Uh, be interesting to know if it's implemented at St. James's in uh, the third round fixture. Uh, mm. But yeah, that should be an instant red card. Yeah, Jack, you agree with that? Yeah, it was a definite red card. Like Craig, on first sight, it just looked like a 50-50. Um, but <laughs> it could have broken his leg, you know. Um, it's When you play these kinds of teams, like you you don't mind the referee letting it go, but you don't blame the opposition for being aggressive for firstly, because that's probably a good way to get in the, the big premier league teams face and unsettle them a bit. Yeah. But th- like there has to be a balance where the referees sort of protect players to an extent. Um, this ref just let a lot go. There was only one yellow card in the whole game. Um, and it was that, and that should have been a red and there could have been a couple of other yellows. We had Kraft injured, uh, which I'm not sure. I don't think that was from a tackle, but he went off injured and Lascelles broke his nose. But I don't know if you, if I say the name Jason Whittletier, if you remember him. Grimsby v Newcastle in about 2005. Him and Shearer had a bit of a running battle in the League Cup. And he, like, I think he headbutted Shearer or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was Jason Whittle or it was Justin Whittle. But yeah, there was a there was a running battle there, and he wanted to make a name for himself. And it, the game reminded me of that, where it was just kind of thug tactics from a yeah. lower league team. Really difficult yeah. game. Um, we'll the, we'll the definitely score... come on and have a have a chat about the uh, yeah yeah the, the, the tactics of the of the Tranmere players definitely. Um, so what what was your impression of the first half, Jack? Uh, give us your overview was... of what was what was going on. It was a hard game, yeah. Like they, they made it tough. You know, they're a they're a League Two team, a uh, smallish ground. They were up for it. They they scored a really really nice goal. Probably the best bit of football, other than Kieran Trippier, who probably the best bit of football of the whole game was their goal. Uh, we were we were caught out a little bit, and you get you've got like early cup round PTSD from down the years from Newcastle. So you just yeah. think when that happens. <laughs> Uh, and would made would made ten changes as well from the Man City game. So Willock was the only player who who still stayed in the team. And you want the players to come in, like the Longstaff, Murphy. You want these players, Chris Wood. You want them to make an impression and stake a claim. But it was a hard game to do that in, uh, and they weren't they weren't able to do that. I don't think. And we were lucky. Yeah. So the, in terms of the first half, we were. I was pleased we went in level, um, and I was just <laughs> hoping that there was going to be no more injuries or sort of incidents in the second half, especially to our actual first-team players. Craig, what was your impression of the first half? Um, Anderson was probably the call-out player for us. He was uh, was all over the pitch. He had the odd shot. Uh, Again, I think it was his header that created the corner for the first goal. Um, Yeah, he was definitely the best. I think some of the players, they were maybe afraid to get the ball because they were going to get lumps kicked out of them. And they just try to get rid of it as soon as they got it. And mm. because we were panicking in the past, we were giving up possession too easy. And that just then allowed them to do what they need to do and intimidate us a little. Uh, but 
yeah, the, uh, their goal was well worked, although I do think we were slow in defence. Uh, if you watch it back again, Longstaff looks like he's running with a fridge on his back. Yeah. Uh, he's just so slow in uh, tracking. But I think it was a fair score night to go in at 1-1. Uh, they had a cracking chance there. They took it in LaSalle's... It was almost a carbon copy of his goal against uh, Everton uh, last season, if you remember. It's in James's. Similar type of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now it was a fair result at halftime, 1-1. No, that's fair enough. Um, moving on to in the second half, uh, obviously we we got we got a corner from Murphy, um, and Trippier takes the corner uh, and perfect perfectly weighted ball in from the corner. Chris Wood meets it. Um, I, I love the fact that the commentator said it was an own goal. No, quite clearly <laughs> off Wood's head. Um, perfectly perfectly weighted uh, header into the goal. Um, I'm so pleased for Chris Wood because he does get a lot of stick for not scoring goals. And yes, it's only Tranmere Rovers. So that's a League Two team, but he still put the ball in the net. He still scored the winner that it turned out to be. Um, And I'm really pleased for him because he does so much work off the ball and he doesn't get the credit he needs from... I mean, when he came on against Man City, he did so much defensive work that saw that game out for us. And no one talks about that. But you know he he managed to get on the on the score sheet, so I'm happy enough with that. Uh, Willick had a half chance, um, but it was obvious that we came out in and we stepped it up a notch in terms of the pace of the game. We seemed to get a little bit more control of the game. Whether or not that's you know Premier League fitness just running over a, a League Two side that just isn't quite at that level um, at the moment, or whether or not Newcastle did just come out and went, right, we need to get, get this by the scruff of the neck and really, really push on. Um, Willick again, and another chance. Um, he, he seemed lively without necessarily enforcing himself onto the game as much as he possibly should have been to like to stake that claim. Uh, Anderson had another, another volley on target um, from a corner, um, which went a little bit wide. Anderson did look lively. Um, I think out of all the players that looked like they were supposedly trying to stake a claim for, for, you know, being involved in the first team, Anderson probably stood out to me from the highlight, from the extended highlights, at least as one of the players that really was up for that game and had that little bit of quality as well and was just missing that that final touch. But obviously, you know, it's a, it was one of those games, as Craig said, where, you know, players didn't get the time because of the way Tranmere were playing. Um, look, Wood, Wood had a, a <laughs> and I have just praised Wood for this, but, mm. you know, he did have a second chance. He was put through on goal. He actually took it really well um, and, and was in on stride. And, you know, how much of that's down to him not being able to get around the defender because he's not quick enough. But, you know, it was a good save. And I'm happy enough to say that it was a good save. Uh, and then just to finish the game off, Botman had a header and another good save by the keeper. You know, we, we've created chances in this game. We could have probably scored more. Um, I'm happy we didn't because I can gloat to Lee and, and Nostra Dimi <laughs> that I, I, I pulled the, the right r- prediction result out for this one for a 2-1 win. But, you know, look, it, it's never going to be easy when you make that many changes against a lower league opposition that are basically allowed to kick lumps out of you um, without any punishment. So in terms of the second half performance being a little bit more upbeat, a little sort of some more chances being created. Craig, what what did you make of that? Do you think we probably deserved a few more goals given the performance in the second half? Yeah, I actually thought uh, Botman's goal, Botman's head, I thought that was in. I cheered as if it already crossed the line. Um, but I want to see the tip over the bar was devastated for him. Uh, it was a cracking header. Uh, we did probably deserve a third goal, but didn't commend uh, their keeper, to be honest, because he did put in some cracking uh, 
shot stops. And the, the, the team that finished the game, it makes you wonder if you would actually start with that team in the next round, effectively. If you know that Palace are going to feel the weakened team as well, just so you can see the game out before it drags on to those later stages of the game where it starts to feel uncomfortable. Because Newcastle being Newcastle, you're never, even now, comfortable with a 2-1 lead, regardless of who we're playing. Um, I think, well, I can't remember who it was uh, we played in the League Cup, I think, or the FA Cup uh, a few years back where um, St. Maximum got the winner and the bloke got the Pini Copter out. And, you know, <laughs> um, that was when we were 2 0 up there, then it went to 2 2 when we won it in extra time. I just had echoes of that happening again, and I did not want extra time and penalties. Uh, yeah. Just, I'm not comfortable with us in extra time and penalties. Uh, Jack, what, what was your overall opinion of that second half? Well, it, it was Kieran Trippier again. So th- it's not the first time he's done this. And he he is such a class above. He was head and shoulders above every other player on that pitch for both teams. The moment he came on, he create, he started creating chances. And he's got this thing that he does, which I, I don't know how he does this from right back, but he just controls the game completely. The, the, the games go through 15 to 20 minute spells where everything goes through him. He seems to know what to do, when to do it. He is the one who lifted the levels of everybody in that game. And if he hadn't have come on when he did, when Kraft got injured, I'm not sure that we would have we would have actually come back and won the game. We might have seen Bruno and Joe Linton a little bit earlier if Trippier hadn't come on. But he, I'm just amazed every time I see him that he actually plays for Newcastle. He's so good. And it's a shame he's just not a few years younger because uh, yeah. we might not get as much of him as we, as we hope we're going to see. But... It was another game that I'll just remember for the impact he had uh, and another game where I feel so deeply grateful that he plays for Newcastle because he's yeah. it, everything about him is just world-class. And it's it's maybe it sounds a bit overboard saying this against Tranmere, but he's done it before. He did it against Everton uh, last season as well. So he's done it in the Premier League. And obviously his free kick against Man City was, yeah. you know, stunning. So... Um, that's what I'll really remember from this game and the impact Trippier had. And it was, right. we won, we won, and that's all you can really, uh, really ask for in these. Uh, and it was a difficult game. Uh, I yep. think it's it's a hard one for people to come in. Um, but yeah, we got the win, and that's all that really matters. Yeah, through to the next round, Palace at home. Happy enough with that. Uh, let's see how far we can go in this this competition this year. Um, I guess one of the big talking points, and we've kind of already touched on it with the, the Darlow incident, is there didn't seem to be that protection of the players by the ref. And potentially this was a step above in terms of the profile of the game because we were there and all eyes were on him and it was on TV apparently as well. Um, and so everybody complains every year that the early rounds of the Cup None of the big teams take it seriously. They all rest their players. And you've got to wonder if a lot of that comes down to the fact that they're expecting refs to go, oh, we should let the physicality go because it's a lower league team. Um, And they don't want to get their players injured. You know, we've got Lascelles with a broken nose from a flailing arm that wasn't given as a foul, let alone a yellow card. Mm. Um, Kraft's gone off injured with a potential knee injury. Um, We've got Darlow in goal who could easily had his leg broken and you know you, you're sort of left sit, sitting there thinking well this this is a game that you know yes be physical if that's your style of play being you know robust on the ball but don't go out to try and hurt people because that's what it looked mm-hmm. like 
from from what I saw of, of the the fewest incidents. Um, I, I guess you know for, for me it's like the authorities need to get on top of this if they if they don't want people to to keep resting players and, and and a lot of the big clubs like you know Liverpool, Man City, isn't that they don't give a crap about the League Cup anymore. It's like it's got no appeal to them. They'll they'll they've got squads that are probably big enough to like get through to the later rounds and then they might start taking things a bit more seriously but you know it's another cup yes tick tick that box for them but you know it's 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 pretty low priority unless they're they're aiming to go for the the quadruple or something monumental like that like liverpool were doing last year craig um how much of this is down to just a bad ref on the day and how much of this is down to just a general malaise of calling those sorts of fouls on lower league teams because of the perception that that's how they play and oh, we can't can't let them have to be dictated to by the Premier League clubs um, and a lack of VAR to kind of back up those sorts of, of really bad tackles that in any other game in the Premier League with VAR on, those would end up getting overturned or a red card or a foul or whatever. Um, how much of that comes into those sorts of things? Well, the, the ref, as I found out after the game, this was his first senior professional game. He normally <laughs> referees under 21 games, which is you're never going to get that level of physicality in an under 21 game. So no. whether it was a step above or whether he did just let the trying game flow, uh, so let the game try and flow, sorry, and not realising the severity of the challenges until it was too late, whether he played the ball on it or already uh, been uh, advantage had been played and so on. But, yeah, the, the, the VR thing is massive. VR was brought in to prevent things that are happening, uh, to stop players from going in for potentially um, career-ending challenges or anything, because yeah. that's potentially what that could have been for Darlow. Um, and if from round two in League Cup right through from uh, even, say, round three of the FA Cup when the Premier League teams start to get involved, or even in the lower, lower rounds as well, it, it, it it's massive because... It doesn't just protect the players; it protects the club as well because they, it's a massive source of income for some of the lower league clubs as well. The, the cups, especially the FA Cup, because that gets global expo- exposure much more than what mm. the Carabao Cup does. And if you've got goal line technology, you've got VAR, you've got all that implemented, you're protecting everybody on there, the players and the clubs as well. And the lower league clubs would benefit from it, I think. It's that deterrent, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. Jack, I mean, do you... So obviously, you like, Kraft's gone off injured as well. We don't think that was anything to do with a bad tackle or anything. Yeah. But, you know, now we've got Trippier that's had to come on miles earlier than what we would ideally have liked, given the fact mm. that we've got so many games coming up in, in quick succession. Um, you know, we, we've got these players, you know, we wouldn't have liked to have Botman on the pitch, but we had to take Lascelles off because he's playing with a broken mm. nose. So, you know, how much do you think that this is affecting... The, the the standard of the games as well because you know you, you want to see players you want to see teams be able to sort of play to their strengths you want to see teams be able to upset teams but not yeah. take it to the to the extreme yeah i've got no problem with with aggressive and physical and intimidating football i think that's good it's good uh, but it has to be it still has to be sort of reasonable and it has yeah. to be and if it isn't reasonable that the players who were at risk of getting injured have to be protected by the officials, and that didn't happen. You know, maybe, maybe if the player who elbowed Lascelles had been booked or you know or sent off, or if the player who 
who um, tried to break Darlow's leg seemingly. If he'd been sent off, maybe that might have made the others think twice about uh, what they were doing. But mm. I, I don't want to just be a big Premier League club complaining about um, rough treatment by a little League Two club, you know, because you have to expect that. But it, it crossed the line quite a few times yeah. and yeah. the referee should have uh, should have tried to put a stop to it and tried to control it. Yeah, if it's um, getting to the point where players are getting injured or at a at a high risk of getting injured, then you've kind of got to be thinking, you know, that's the line in the sand. You can't be crossing that because mm. you're going to either, you know, you're, you're affecting, you know, future games, if not people's careers. So, mm. And I'm well aware that probably next week, Joe Linton's going to go and <laughs> probably <laughs> break someone's ankle or something because he's he seems like he might be on the verge of doing that. So... It will happen yeah. this season where we cross the line probably as well, yeah. where we intimidate Absolutely. and yeah, people. Uh, but at I, least, at least in the Premier League, it will be uh, it will be sort of it treated. Gets punishment, and, but yeah. it's also it, it'll be that one incident that just steps over because someone's been a little bit too enthusiastic, or they've missed time to tackle, or you know they've just gone in to try and win a ball. And and you know we saw it at the weekend against Man City with with Trippier. It was a professional foul, but there was yeah. no malice in it. There was never going to no. be like I mean, there, there was nothing that was going to sort of break someone's leg. He's just brought him down. Um, mm. That's not what was happening in this game with Tremier. There was there was mm. things that it was incidents that were clearly intentionally or not setting about injuring a player, mm. and that's kind of where it needs to sort of call the line off. Um, so I guess the last things just to kind of cover. Look, it, it wasn't a comfortable win for us um, by any stretch of the imagination, but we've got through to the next round. Um, we dominated set pieces in the second half. Uh, that's good to see. Uh, a little bit. A little bit of extra quality would not go amiss. I think um, it, it's sort of painfully obvious that some of the backups have, have hearts of gold and they'll work their socks off and they'll they'll run all day, but they just lack that little bit of extra quality that we really need. So, yeah, hopefully our, our transfer window little bit at the beginning here sort of pull some of those players in that that just lift the the overall squad depth up a little bit more. So we'll uh, we'll. We'll call that off here and we'll have a little bit of a break and we'll come back for a very quick Wolves preview since we are running massively behind with all of the, the crazy news that's going on. So we'll be right back. Right then, on to our Wolves preview, a uh, whirlwind tour through our, our game out on Sunday. Um, now, we've got a few injury concerns. Um, obviously, our squad isn't as maybe deep as some of the, the bigger teams, but we do have some players to come in. Uh, we're going to add, just add this one in. So this is our expected lineup for the game. Um Wilson's out injured. Kraft's definitely out injured now as well. Dubravka may be on the go. Um, so, you know, he, he may be off to Man United. Fraser's struggling with an injury as well. So we are kind of starting to struggle um, a little bit with our, with our depth and our people, people coming in. Um, so we're, we're potentially looking at Pope in goal, Botman Shah in in, uh, in defense, Trippier and Target on the on the wing backs or sort of the, the left and right back. Um, uh, Joe Linton, Willick, Bruno midfield again. I don't think Longstaff probably did enough uh, against Tranmere to to get that role. Uh, ASM Miggy on the wings with with Chris Wood taking up the forward role. Um, Jack, I'll let you kick things off with this one. What do you make of that team? Do you think that's probably what we're going to go for? And do you see the any any major 
major dramas with that squad? The only possible thing is Dan Byrne, if he's not concussed anymore, um, whether he comes in at left-back instead of Target or maybe at centre-back instead of Botman. Um, but they'll probably just give him... It, Target's fit now and he had 45 minutes, so they'll probably just give him the Wolves game. Uh, probably, if Isaac signs, I think he'll be on the bench if he signs on time. And I think Chris Wood will start because um, Wilson's definitely out. Yep. In the midfield, before the Tranmere game, I thought we might see Longstaff get a start against Wolves. Um, I think Willock is really good at carrying the ball forward and he's got good energy and he's, he's a good player to bring off the bench in games. I know he started the first three league games, but Longstaff can sometimes have that little bit more control of the ball in midfield, which I think we were missing against Brighton in that away game. Um but he didn't really do that much against Tranmere. Um, mm. But then neither did Willock, and then Willock had another start. So Longstaff probably got a bit fresher legs. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Longstaff came in to the midfield. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it, I think, yeah, that'll be that'll be how we go. And we know we're gonna we know we're gonna be playing this four three three system that yeah. that's been working well. It's a it's a difficult away game. It'll be a very different game to the Man City game. So I really hope we see Maxi um, have a good game. Or if he's not, if he's not having a good game, and if he hasn't got that space, I hope we see him pop the ball off to people who are in space uh, and show that maturity in his game, just to carry on from the Man City game when he was outstanding. Yeah, I mean Willick. Willick's a strange one for me, and it's kind of Longstaff's got that better ball control and and sort of tackling and and keeping keeping in that sort of um formation a little bit better willick's a much more explosive player runs all day he's got the pace and is probably a better finisher as well you kind of almost want to merge them together because neither of them really do the job that we need them to do at the moment as well as we want them to do um willick for me in terms of the the game that we're playing just doesn't have the ball skills um he's, he's just not as comfortable on the ball and passing the ball as we really need him to be in that role right now next to joe joe linton and bruno um craig what what do you reckon of that that team and um do you see anything being changed up or or any concerns over that uh, I think if Anderson didn't play the full 90 minutes, I thought, if anything, he could have been in with a shout over Willock or Longstaff uh, because he outperformed both of them um, head and shoulders, I reckon. Uh, Target, uh, he walks into the squad if he's fit, I think. Uh, he'll take Dan Byrne's place. Uh, not sure if they've come back with a concussion result from Dan Byrne, but obviously he had no part at all, not even named in the squad for the Tranmere game. Um, Botman and Shaw, they're going to start in defence. Um, the other option would be Fernandez, who did actually make the bench for uh, the Tranmere game, which is the first time he's been named all season, even preseason. I think uh, Trippier, captain, uh, the midfield uh, picks itself on the wings. So ASM and Miggy and Joe Linton, Bruno Willock and Chris Wood on his lonesome up front. Hopefully, we can provide some crosses for him because, as Trippier showed, if you put the ball in the box, he can finish it. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the the bench um, from what we were talking about before, uh, we're looking at a bench of Darlo Lascelles, assuming he's back from his broken nose. Uh, Byrne, Mankio, Richie, Anderson, Longstaff, Murphy, um, maybe Itzak if he joins in time. We don't know this. To me, apart from maybe Anderson, if he can come on and, and keep doing what he's been doing. Obviously, it's a big step up from playing against a League Two side to coming into the Premier League. So we still have to see that that 
that step up in class, I guess, from him. Um, he's obviously got some talent. He's obviously got a nice attitude in terms of his work rate and he, he wants to constantly improve. But there's not a lot of like impact subs there at the moment. And that's a little bit of a worry for me. Um, Jack, do you where do you see the changes being able to come from? If if we obviously if we sign a new striker for 60 million, you'd you'd expect him mm. to be on the bench and potentially maybe get a run out later on in the game if if there's a chance, but there's not a lot else there, is there? No, the the depth is an issue, and that's just where we where we're at in the evolution of the club at the moment. So, you know, after after the next few transfer windows, the bench will look stronger. Anderson is a really exciting talent, uh, and I would it would have been nice to see him earlier in the season, but it just hasn't happened because of the state yeah. the game was in. But that's why I think Willock on the bench is actually he's been good historically when he's come off the bench. So. He might be a good option to have on there. And then I think if Isak signs in time, he'll definitely be on the bench. And I would think he would definitely get into the in, in the, onto the pitch at some point. I, I just worry about Chris Wood being isolated in this game. Um, he, he, that's what happened pretty much all of last season, even though we were, we were in a good run. He was, he was very isolated. So, yeah, yeah uh, the, the depth isn't great, but it's where we're at. And this is going to be a tough game, though. Um, I... If we can win, if we can win, that'd be eight points from the first four, which unbeaten, which would be amazing. But um, yeah, Wolves themselves haven't haven't won a game yet, and they've only scored one goal. But we'll have a look at their team in a minute. They've got some good players. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess for us, like our bench really is made up of hard workers that are going to put a shift in and they're going to make it competitive, but they don't have that extra level to their game where they're going to be able to threaten teams. And that's the big the big problem for me. Um, Murphy's a prime example where he's got bags of pace and he's got loads of effort, uh, but he's just like every time he gets in goal, he either hits the post or skies it or, you know, he, he doesn't have that little bit of quality when he, when he needs it and when we need him to do that. And um, I think someone was saying today, I think, I think you were saying Craig that he was, he's, he's under contract till he's 32 or something crazy. Yeah, like five that. more years. Yeah. <laughs> 20, it's just like yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what do you, do you see any issues with what we've got Craig or are you happy enough that we've got enough quality in the starting lineup? We've got a few players, obviously, if we get them back from injury that have got that quality, obviously we're still missing Shelby as well. Remember, um, yeah. where where are the, the impacts from the sub if we need that extra little bit of quality going to come from? Uh, Ryan Fraser, when fit, he's got that tenacity to change a game. He's just got bags of energy. But his end product is probably lacking, probably worse than Miggy's is at the minute, to be honest. Mm. Um, that's pretty much it, to be honest. I've made my feelings very clear on Jacob Murphy over the past few weeks and months and whatever. Um, not a fan of his by any stretch. And Longstaff, he can go missing in games or he can shine in games. He's very, very unpredictable and very inconsistent, albeit he is getting better in that department. He's getting back to his old self like he was under Rafa. But the overall bench and depth in squad is what could hamper our real push up the table if we want to maybe go for that top six I know that's a massive dream and it's a huge, huge ask, but that's what could hammer us, especially if we're going to go on a cup run where you do need uh, strength and depth, and that's just something we just don't have as of right now. 
No, for sure. Um, so let's go on to the Wolves team. Um, so uh, we've got uh, Saar in goal, um, Kilman, Collins, Castro, Otto. This is based on what we think they played last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we've got the midfield five of eight Nuri. I feel like Lee here, like not being able to pronounce <laughs> names. Like, this is where you want Lee in here doing his podcast. <laughs> uh, Moutinho, Neves, Nunes, and Neto in midfield. To me, that just is is actually a really quality midfield. And if they play that, they're going to they're going to give us some concerns just by the pure numbers that are in there. And then Gonzalo Guedes and Podence up front. Um, Wolves are in a, in a little bit of a weird place right now because they've played the games. They've only got one point to show for the first games of the season and they've only scored one goal. And they've got some quality in that side though. So it is a little bit concerning that they have had this slow start for them. But I, at some stage, they're going to click and they're going to get some players that are, that are going to hit form and they're going to be dangerous again. And we saw last season how well they can play when they're on form. So Craig... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't follow Wolves all that strongly, but they definitely do have some standout talents in that midfield, especially um, some some attacking players. Uh, what what do you make of that squad? Who do you reckon that we're going to actually have to sort of keep an eye on? Uh, that middle three of Moutinho, Neves, and Nunes, uh, they could be as big for them as what Bruno, Joe Linton, and Shelby were uh, towards the back end of last season. They are very, very capable players. They can turn a game at the drop of a hat. Uh, they've got skill in bags, uh, all three of them. Uh, they will track back, they will defend, they will push forward. But they're a very cohesive unit as well. Um, they've got a very strong Portuguese feel, and that mm. probably helps them all bond and um, play well together in that aspect. Kind of like what we tried to do with all the Frenchies a good number of years back, but that just didn't work. Uh, but yeah, big, strong Portuguese flavour. And... They have some very, very talented players. And one thing I did notice, and I don't know if anybody watched the full 90 minutes against Spurs for them last week, they were playing very, very through the middle, very narrow in terms of play. They didn't use uh, the wingmen much at all, which is somewhere I hope we can capitalise. If Maxi can get out wide and get his head down and run with the ball, we could potentially trouble them there. Because again, if they're compressed in the middle to try and maybe block out our midfield and we can get it out wide, that's where we could maybe hurt them. Yeah, that's fair enough, actually. I mean, you, you, even if they they change their lineup to cope with Maxi, then it's pulling them out of their midfield roles, which hopefully frees up space for Joe Linton and, and Bruno to, to work their magic. So that's definitely things that you, you're hoping. And obviously playing that sort of three centre-back things, I think it's going to be a long afternoon for, for Chris Wood. I think he's going to be well-marshaled. Um, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure why they they sold their um, uh, sold Cody. Um, that yeah. seemed a bit of a strange decision to me. But you know, it's it's a very very good squad. Um, it, it's interesting that you say it's like very heavy Portuguese feel. Obviously, there's a there's a lot of links there, and they have a lot of Portuguese players. Um, but they all then click into that sort of formation and the style of play quite easily. So it is this natural um, sort of rotation of players that they have where they're selling players and bringing new players in that are comfortable with that style of football. Um, Jack, your thoughts on on the Wolves team and, and the, the game in general? Well, I heard a stat that Wolves last weekend had more Portuguese players playing for them than Porto and Sport and Lisbon did in their games. <laughs> yeah. So that, that tells you the... Um, 
the way things work at Wolves. I've got to be honest, a lot of their players just merge into, the Portuguese players just merge into one for me. Like, I know Moutinho and Neves have been there for a long time, so I know them. Neto has been linked with Arsenal. He was injured really badly last season, but mm. he's been linked with Arsenal for 50 million. Um, and Wolves have also been linked with the um, Goncalo Ramos from Benfica that we were linked with, that presumably we won't be signing now. But like, yeah, like Guedes and Podence, like uh, they just <laughs> they merge into one for me. So uh, I did hear that Wolves were the reason they sold Cody or let him go is because they were looking at going to a back four this season. Okay. So Castro Otto could play right back and Aitnuri could come to the left back and then it would be like a 4-3-3. So yeah, it's they're a team probably that are still still trying to gel. They were they were quite good last season towards the start of the season, but they were just a bit boring as well. They didn't score many goals, mm. and they were they didn't show much at all when they came to St James's Park. So the the last time we played them at Molyneux was the the last game before the takeover. Uh, really, sort of famous game in some ways for the, the away end were just not not at it that day and they were really miserable and it, the whole feel around the place was terrible so it'll be a bit different this time yeah, but it's going to sure. be a difficult game difficult game interesting to see how it goes but I think we've, we've, we're full, we should be full of confidence if we get the tactics right I think we could be on for a good win yeah, it's going to be going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think if we if we are in a game, I'm I'm confident that we can control that game. Um, it's it's going to be a much different uh, test for us than it was last year, as you said. So hopefully we can we can put that right and, and maximize on our away support this time. Um, who, as you said, are, are going to be well and truly up for it. So let's do some quick uh, sort of um, tips for the game, um, Craig. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 away win. Jack, what's your predictions? Uh, I think I'm going to go 2-0. I think we'll we'll have enough. 2-0 win. I'm going to go 2-0 as well because Wolves are not started great. They're not scoring a lot of goals. Our defense is actually rock solid at the moment. Um, obviously, we've conceded three against Man City, but we actually went at them. So we were probably a little bit more vulnerable than we otherwise would be. Um, but we've seen games out. We're, we're, we're doing really well defensively. So, yeah, for me, 2 0, clean sheet, third clean sheet of the game. Nick Pope will dig us out if we need him. Um, and uh, onwards and upwards in the league. Isn't, isn't so, it amazing? Isn't it amazing to just go into games just knowing there's going to be a tactical plan? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just so, I'm so confident that Eddie Howe and Tyndall are gonna have them like a tactical plan bespoke for this exact game. Yeah. So that's just what gives me confidence to think that if they, if the players can execute the plan properly, the tactics, then I think we'll, we'll give anybody a good game. And I think yeah. we've probably got when we've got better players, I think there's a good chance that we're gonna, we're gonna win more games than we lose. Oh, for sure. And I think the, the big thing for us at the moment is that you're going into games knowing that you're going to compete, not just mm. tactically, but you're going to have players that are well and truly up for the match as well. Um, even the Brighton game, I mean, the players were there, but Brighton were just a good side on the day. Yeah. Um, but we, we still we still tried tried our best to to do something in that game late on. But, you know, look, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take Wolves lightly, but I do think we'll, we will have enough for this one. And it's nice to... Nice to have that confidence uh, going into games. Predicting wins at last is great. Next gen, right? Oh, indeed. Right then, I think that's gone on long enough. It's been a bit of a bit of a jam-packed podcast for today. So let's call things up here. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, 
uh, Jack and Craig, thank you very much for joining. And for anyone that's listening on YouTube uh, or watching on YouTube, um, please hit that like and subscribe button. Anyone that's on our audio podcast, if you haven't done so already, uh, subscribe along, um, so sign up and get those notifications. Uh, this is this is absolutely brilliant. We love doing this. So if you've got any questions or feedback for us, we welcome that uh, immensely. Uh, Jack, thanks very much for joining. Thank you very much. See you soon. And Craig, Craig cheers, mate. Cheers to you too, mate. Awesome. Thanks very much. I'll catch everyone later.